Well, it is a, it is potentially, it is potentially the most jam-packed episode in the history of Elwood City Limits, and what better time to start off the 11th season of Arthur on the Episodic Arthur podcast than with, well, this jam-packed episode. Hi, everybody. Uh, I know that we usually do a little bit of a, a rambling entry, but I'm happy to say if this is your, maybe this is your first episode of the show since we're beginning a new season, and I just wanted to let you know that my name's Will Young, and I have a co-host on the show. He's been with me through 11 seasons, and hopefully 11 plus more, uh, Lucas Mancini. Hey, Lucas. Hi, that's me. It's me, Lucas. Get used to me. Hello, I co-host the show. I'm the ba- I'm the baby. Gotta love me. That's right. That's I am the baby, and will you must you simply must love me. <laughs> you are required to love me. Uh, yeah, once again, I it feels like it has been a little bit. It's um, been you know this is how it usually gets at the end of a at the end of a season here of Arthur. We take a little bit of a break. We collect our thoughts and. Think about the season that was. What a season, what a season. And then we look forward to a new batch of Arthur episodes. And I think there's a lot to look forward to with the uh, with the ten episodes that are before us. And speaking of looking back, we're going to be doing a fair amount of that today because, well, along with... Jeez, sorry. Oh my goodness, you're so excited, Will. You're, you're attacking the microphone, both... <laughs> Uh, literally and proverbially, look, I'm getting a 1-800 phone call. The whole show, so much for no rambling intro, the show's already off the rails. Excitement, <laughs> excitement, danger, and spills is what you can expect from season 11 of both Arthur and Elwood City Limits. Anyway, we've got, we've got some stuff to talk about besides the season at hand. We've got some Arthur-related uh, news. Not all of it good, but, uh, well, we should be talking about it because I think, I don't think there's any other Arthur episode, uh, Arthur podcast that is up to the point that we are. So I feel a little bit of a sense of D-U-T-Y, uh, to this. So, uh, Lucas, one of the, uh, let's start off, let's start off with the sad, sad news. And that is the fact that, um, was it, yeah, was it this week? No, it was Sunday. It was Sunday. We're recording this on a Thursday that we unfortunately lost one of the biggest figures in entertainment for as long as we've been alive. Almost, it seems like, as long as our parents have been alive. That might be an exaggeration. But on Sunday, we unfortunately lost former Arthur guest voice, Alex Trebek. That's right. That's right. Uh, um, Canadian legend, Will. Mm, yes. Uh, the the host of Jeopardy and the host of Real Quest in the Arthur world. He unfortunately passed away. He had stage four cancer that he was battling very courageously for a long time. He was 80 years old, didn't look a day over 50, uh, looked great until the end. Anyway, that was a very sad piece of news for Sunday. And I know that a lot of people across the world are very broken up about it. There's actually, there's a billboard that I passed today downtown and it said, I'll... I'll take it was something like I'll take thank you for a thousand, and it was a tribute billboard to Alex Trebek. You know, you mentioned that he was looking good even though he was eighty, and I gotta say, if there's one light in the darkness, usually when someone this famous passes away, you know, people bring up pictures and stuff from when they were a lot younger, and there was all these pictures from when he like used to host like a CBC Music Variety show in like the sixties. Oh and yeah, my, my word, what a handsome handsome gentleman Alex Trebek has been his entire life. He was very dashing, especially for his time. He's also kind of one of those guys that has, 
he, I mean, he has, of course, visibly aged, but he's always kind of looked the same. Mm. I mean, he's ha- he's had different hairstyles. He's had, um, he's had you know, m- mustaches and all that kind of thing. He's had different wardrobes, but he's always kind of been very consistent in how you envision him, especially over, I'd say, the last 10 or 15 years. He's always kind of been that elder statesman in the game show game. So uh, we do want to wish all the best to everybody who is missing Alex Trebek, especially his fans, his friends, and his family. Um, it was it's it was almost a mark, a hallmark of Arthur as a a show that began in the '90s to have Alex Trebek as a guest voice. He's been on other shows like Rugrats and like The Simpsons, so it puts Arthur in pretty rarefied air in that in that regard. So, less sad news is that we have some new Arthur content to be looking forward to. Not just the new seasons that are coming up, but a new one-hour TV special that, as we are speaking about this, it will be debuting uh, this American Thanksgiving weekend on November the 16th. Uh, That's this coming Monday on PBS Kids. Check your local listings for an Arthur Thanksgiving. Ooh, I I wonder... I wonder what they're going to do with this. I, I feel like American Thanksgiving is kind of a, uh, uh, not controversial, but it's a it's a divisive topic these days. And I wonder how they're going to, lots of, it's not quite like Christmas, which is a pretty easy home run. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. difference of opinions around American Thanksgiving. So I'll be interested to see how Arthur tackles it all, if at all. Well, and of course, given what's been going on in America these uh, these past few years, it's a bit of a contentious time. Yeah. Families can end up separated because of disagreements. So I certainly hope Arthur is able to bring some together. That may be a little Pollyanna of me, perhaps. Uh, it seems that the idea behind the special is that uh, the kids are going to be preparing for the annual parade. When things start to go off course, Arthur and his friends must find a way to save the Thanksgiving celebration. So I'm sure they'll get up to their usual brand of hijinks, and I'm sure we'll be getting to do a commentary about it at some point. I look forward to watching it uh, Yeah, probably sometime next year as far as our schedule goes. How are they going to put on a parade with a global pandemic? That must be the, the thing going awry. It's like, oh no, the parade's tomorrow. <laughs> and we have to socially distance. They hold the parade May- on Zoom. Maybe, or pre- I, I, my guess would be that they created something that's a bit more evergreen. But mm. uh, we'll have to wait and see. Who knows? Could be. Uh, so that's that's the main kind of Arthur news tidbits. The things that we to add on top of our already full dance card here. And speaking of, uh, um, well, actually, none of those things. Um, <laughs> Let's go to the Elwood City Limits mailbag to start off the season. Uh, that's, of course, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Uh, first of all, want to shout out, we got another five-star iTunes review from user db underscore Rockefeller. Very appreciative of those five stars. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Rockefeller. So let's go first to our first email here. It is from a former guest of the show, Viv, who writes that right now I'm in the middle of listening to uh, kind of the back episodes of Elwood City Limits. Uh, the one about where DW goes to the hospital. I got busy with stuff, and I didn't have the motivation to listen to this episode. It was recent time. It happens. It's all good. But when you said that hospitals are safe places, I couldn't help but laugh, because a few weeks ago during the second week of October, I had a horrible experience at a hospital. I thought it was going to be a nice experience where they were going to help me out, but I slowly learned the truth of my local hospital, and it almost felt like I was in a horror movie. Don't worry. I'm better now. But the hospital did nothing to help me with that. 
The only awesome thing that they did there was letting me go the next day. I'll spare you the details. Uh, I'm glad I had that horrible experience because now I want all hospitals around the world to be better and treat their patients as living beings instead of robots. And Viv asks, have you guys ever had a terrible hospital experience? Uh, well, I guess I'll first to answer the second question. Not really. I haven't, I've been lucky enough not to have to spend that much time in a hospital. I would say that usually when I'm in a hospital, it's, it's a pretty bad scene, not because of, you know, the staff or, or the circumstances of the hospital itself, but just because usually I'm either visiting someone who's ill or, or maybe like someone who's, who's very sick or, or like an, mm-hmm. an, an elderly family member or something like that. So the mood is always kind of dour. Um, and, and I, I think that, you know, when we said that they were safe places, I, I, well, I don't even know if we use the term safe places, but just that the moral of that Arthur episode is to kind of, um, trust medical professionals or what have you, or to make kids not freaked out about the hospital. But I will say that hospitals are, you know, m- mileage may vary, um, pretty freaky. You know, it's, it's, there's a reason there's so often the setting in like horror movies, like Halloween two or what have you. Um, mm. and it's because they give you the heebie-jeebies, you know, people are sick. It's, it's kind of got this cold, sterile environment, the, the overhead lighting. So, um, they can be, uh, certainly spooky, um, in regards to kind of the quality of healthcare you receive. Um, I, I've, I've, again, been lucky enough to never have to kind of be on the bad end of, of, of receiving poor quality of healthcare. Um, what about yourself, Will? Not really. I mean, I'm again. I'm I'm very grateful that all the time, the few times I've been to the hospital, everything has gone fairly swimmingly, except for long wait times, which unfortunately you can't really control. But I think that Viv makes a good point. I know that for a lot of people, the hospital is not what they would call a safe place, and depending on where you live or yeah, that's just, another huge one. Viv, what, Viv, Viv's writing us from the states, correct? Yes. Exactly. So, I mean, take that for for what you will, right? With the different healthcare systems. Right. And I've had my own my own partner, my wife, uh, go to the hospital many times and be dismissed um, for you know illnesses that were very real. So I know that it's I don't think controversial is not the right word, but it's contentious to say that like you know it's good that they propped up in this episode. Operation DW, that the hospital is like a safe place and a good place because it's not for everybody. Like the worst that's happened to me is really just like I the symptoms I go into the hospital with. Like one time I ralphed up a bunch of water on the admitting desk and I felt very embarrassed. But that's just like it's not their fault. It's just I was very sick at the time. But yeah, so I think it's I think Viv makes an important point, and I certainly hope that everybody listening has not had or well has not had these bad experiences. And I certainly hope that any experiences that we have in the future in the hospital are much closer to what DW herself experienced. We go now to an email from Sydney. I hope you guys are doing well. You mentioned in your Ming Sai episode that you believe that Adina Menzel had starred on Arthur. And you're right. Adina was on a later season episode, but not as herself. She actually plays an original character, a therapist for one of the kid characters. It's a great little subplot that helps to normalize therapy as something constructive and positive, especially for children. But the fact that the therapist is voiced by Adina is entirely incidental, except for one excruciating line. Uh, you know what? I don't I don't even want to spoil it. Sydney details it. We'll get to it when we get to it. That sounds real bad, though. Is she, is she like, does she like, you're, you know... 
because of your anxiety disorder, you're essentially, you know, frozen with anxiety. You know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm that, saying? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? That's like exactly what happens. <laughs> Duh, uh, 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 Will, I should write for comedy. I'm a. Uh, uh, should write for Arthur, I dude. I should write for Arthur, exactly. As a massive fan of musical theater, I was definitely excited when Adina guest starred, but it also got me wondering why Lin-Manuel Miranda or one of the other notable Hamilton cast members haven't guest starred in the show. The PBS crowd seems like they'd adore a Hamilton cameo, and I can definitely envision an episode in which the kids learn about the value of musical theater to tell important stories from someone like Lin-Manuel or Leslie Odom Jr., Thoughts on this? I think Hamilton's the popular choice for a musical guest spot. It would also be very funny if they went for someone unfamiliar to kids like Andrew Rannells. Then again, this is a show that had Philip Seymour Hoffman playing himself at one point. Can't wait for that. Oh, that's... I'm sorry to... You almost buried the lead there. Uh, Arthur Hamilton, I could see it. That seems like a fine fit. It's very PBS. Uh, but that aside, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the legend, R.I.P. to the great... I can't uh, wait for that, man. What is he Holy doing? Crap. Like, is he, is he, <laughs> could you imagine? There's a lot of Philip Seymour Hoffman roles that are definitely not kid appropriate. Like, is he reprising his role as like the screaming, like phone sex guy from, uh, <laughs> uh, punch drunk love, or, you know, is he the, the, the sad guy that's got a crush on Mark Wahlberg's character and, uh, boogie nights. Uh, Arthur, if, if you don't tell me where pal is, I'm going to hurt DW. I'm going to hurt her real bad. <laughs> yeah. Is he the master from the master? Is he going to be like, Arthur, have you ever... Uh... Now, you know what? It's the number one family-friendly show on uh, in Halifax. I'm going to not say that joke. <laughs> have you ever stolen anything? <laughs> there no. we go. Yes, yes. There's. I forgot there's many questions he asks that guy in that scene. Have you ever, have you ever punched your sister? No. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> thank you for bringing that up um as for hamilton i mean yeah I, unfortunately it seems like it might be a little too late for that it does seem like it would be great andrew Reynolds is actually a good shout because he actually started as a as a voice actor in shows like Yu-Gi-Oh, which is funny when you hear his voice on the book of mormon soundtrack and it's like oh that's mako tsunami mm-hmm. oh there you go so uh yeah no that would that would be really cool i would i would love to see something like that and arthur's not afraid to get musical so it's you know it's feasible and maybe there's still time you never know i i would never put it past limwemwell veranda to pop up somewhere where you'd least expect them we've got one more it's a little bit of a long one but it is an interesting story unfortunately it's addressed to mike and lucas now lucas i don't know who this mike guy is but if you've been having a podcast on the side that i don't know about if you've been doing Elwood City Limits with some with this Mike character, I no, don't appreciate it. I don't know. I, I mean, I have a good friend Mike, uh, but I, uh-huh. I I highly you doubt... podcast with him too. No, I, I most certainly do not. So I'm not <laughs> sure who this is referring to. Now I'm really curious. What what does he have to ask me in this this Mike fellow? I've been ha- well, I've been doing plenty of podcasts. Well, you've been having fun with Mike. <laughs> Uh, so this is from Josh. Uh, I've been a fan of Elwood City Limits for about two years and have listened to all your episodes twice. Couldn't get my name right, though. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's, it's fine. I think, so, I, I remember once, uh, somebody got your name wrong. So it's like, ah, whatever. Mike, Will, it's, you know, four letters. I've also been an Arthur fan since I was a kid, long before the cartoon premiered on PBS. I have something you might want to hear. In 1983, I had my first encounter with a celebrity at the age of seven. Mark Brown visited my elementary school located in Makokata, 
Iowa. Mark Brown, as you'd expect, was absolutely wonderful. Arthur books were a huge deal at our school. I can still remember how entranced I was as he drew pictures of Arthur and D.W. on a large drawing pad. Remember Buster's dreamy expression when Mr. Rogers sang a lullaby? Well, imagine about 500 kids in a gymnasium looking like that while Mark Brown talked and drew his characters. At the end of the school assembly, he announced a surprise. I'm working on a new book called Arthur's Christmas. As you know, I hide the names of my sons, Tolan and Tucker, in my books, but I'm doing sp- something special with this book. I'm going to hide the names of the two Makokata elementary schools, Briggs and Cardinal, in Arthur's Christmas. Look for them, okay? When Arthur's Christmas was published in 1984, he, Mark Brown was true to his word. In the book, Arthur and D.W. do some Christmas shopping. You can see boxes of cardinal candy canes in one store. When they visit an ice cream parlor, there's an ad for a Briggs special float. I went to Briggs Elementary, so I'm honored to have my school immortalized in an Arthur book. According to my old librarian from the school, not long after Mark Brown included our school's names in in Arthur's Christmas, he had to abandon that clever practice because everyone was demanding it. And uh, Josh also sent us some screenshots from the book. Ooh, we're going to have to get those up on the Twitter. Yes, very true. And I'll send them to you as well. If Mark Brown ever hears this message, bless you, I wonder. Maybe he Who knows? Maybe he will. Uh, so, to Mark Brown. Okay, yes, maybe, Mark. Mark, Booby, if you ever hear this message, Josh Hankemeyer wants to tell you thank you for that. Um, he is partially the reason I have a master's degree in library sciences. So, Mark, you definitely changed Josh's, Josh's life, hey, as you did ours, too. My mom's and, got that same degree, Josh. It's a great degree. And feel free to hit us up, elwoodcitylimits.gmail.com, if you'd like to come on the show for the interview. Oh, yes, Mark. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Please, 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 please. Thanks for the podcast. Keep up the good work. Before you go, I wanted to tell you that my favorite character from the Arthur cartoon is the whiny kid from Mrs. Fink's class. <laughs> Mrs. Fink, how do we have fun? Kidding. I like Binky. I'll never be able to escape that, I don't think. Thank you very much, Josh. Great emails, everybody, and I appreciate you sending them in. Again, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. One last piece of business before we get to this episode, and this has to do with our Patreon, because Lucas, I don't know if you know this, we hit a Patreon goal recently. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Now we're talking. What is it, Will? As of this as of this date that we're recording, we have 60 patrons that are following Elwood City Limits and uh, putting down their hard-earned money for the extra content that we have. And I made a goal that if we ever got to 60 patrons, it might have actually been 50, but we're at 60 patrons now. We have definitely reached the goal where I will be purchasing Adobe Audition to edit the show on. So, but that's all because of y'all that are supporting the show. Oh, like, it was per- couldn't do this without you. It was previously on Audacity. It's on Audacity as we speak wow. right now. So you hear that, folks? If we get to 120 Patreon subscribers... We'll download Ableton. No, I'm just joking. That actually What's Ableton? Ableton. I've never heard of that. Ableton's like a. It's okay. Ableton's like it's like Fruity Loops. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like for editing. It's primarily for editing music. Like if you were like cooking up some beats, well, uh, but no, okay. uh, Audition will uh, do what we need. Uh, now, Will, that begs the question though: How many Patreon subscribers before you go see the Monster Hunter movie? <laughs> 
Well, I haven't put that. I haven't put that up yet. Because to, to be honest with you, I was kind of this. I think this is a joke that we made on our Patreon. Um, I was going to put a post up for our patrons to vote on whether or not they would like us to do that. You know, it felt it felt right to ask them. That's right. That's right. Instead we also, of we also to get to f- on them. See, Will's more of a f- man of the people. Me, I just want to torture Will and make him go see the Monster Hunter movie, whether you guys want him to or not. That's yeah, where we stand. Looks- it's it just looks so good. Like I can't wait for that movie. Yeah, Will's a big Mila Jovovich head. You guys, mm-hmm. big fan of the Joves. The Joves. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of waiting to see if it's coming out in theaters at all. Yeah, like, that's true. A lot of movies have been getting delayed to next year. Wouldn't Ooh. be surprised if that happened to is as well. So I'm that- gonna wait probably till the beginning of December. If it seems like it's still on track, I will put that poll up. And if it gets enough, sure, whatever. And hey, if it comes out on VOD, I am watching that with you on Watch Together, brother. We're going to do... <laughs> Are we talking commentary? Is oh that what we're talking my about? god, I don't know. The commentary is a lot, but I will certainly watch the Monster Hunter movie with you on video okay. on demand. All right. Okay. Well, we have a couple of options, so we'll keep that open. Uh, so thank you to all of all 60 of you who are our patrons. That's so nuts like i can't i can't believe that's that's a lot of people and we really appreciate you supporting us in this way now i do want to say that i kind of made mention in the last episode that we're getting so many patrons it's tough to read them all out uh like in bulk it's getting to be a a large part of the episode so i think after this episode what i will do is i will read 10 like i'll read 10 10 or so uh, names per episode and I'll make them different per each episode so I apologize if we won't get to your name for a little bit but I just want to be able to break this up if you have any suggestions for what our next next Patreon goal should be uh, or anything else regarding the Patreon please leave us a message on the page or in our Discord and uh, let us know how we're doing what you'd like to see more of uh, if you have any ideas for extra content we could always use that and, uh, yeah, anything else that you would like to see since you're the one putting up your cash, whether it's a dollar or whether it's more, we appreciate it all the same. So this is most likely the last time I will do the full roll call, and we'll start off with the brand newest, the 60th patron, K2 Sonic fan. Thank you. We also have people by the name of Riley Hendrickson Pike, Kelsey Taylor, Girl Cried Comet, Sydney Long, Bob Yee, Robert Morrison, Allison Archambeau, Jeffrey Gao, Hannah Kitten, Mary Archambeau, Alistair, Nicholas DeMarco, Valeria, Lawrence, Mason, Mason Bishop, Daniel Optograph, Joe Low Flow, Ursula Cat, Michelle Sprzinski, Owen, Lee Goldson, Lion Dog ZXA, EJ Acra, Christine Cody, Greg Hagai, Yoshi, Lily W, Melissa Avales, Andrew Power, Matt, Pretty Cool Stairs, Marlo Stanfield, Rachel Pearson, Michaela Gibson, Kristen, Sierra S, Kat, Aaron DeFilippo, William, Shayna Bennett, Caitlin Harrington, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Jake Bailey, Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, Joe Sue, Christine Wong, Stella, uh, Froppy, Emily Kay, Shander LaFave, Boaton, John Griswold, Teresa, Dan, Mike Dawson, Silva, Light Relentless, Ian Collis, John Dulong, and Leanne S. Lucas, can you believe that we started this Patreon two and a half years ago? And uh, 60. I don't think I ever thought that we would ever get past five or ten. Oh, Will, I always believed in, in, in the ECL nation uh, from, from the first <laughs> challenge to make you go see the Sonic movie. 
or, or Detective Pikachu, I think, was the very first one. Detective uh, Pikachu, that's from, it. From the first episode of For the Kids, and now we have... Uh, you know the the between the lines episode was a big deal, and I, I I I believe in the listeners. I thank them. I'm grateful, but great things are ahead. You know, you better believe it, and we will always make it worth your while. We're always here uh, for uh, for you guys to talk to us whenever you'd like. So thank you once again. Season eleven of Arthur aired from June twenty fifth to sem- September seventh, two thousand seven. Lucas, how old were you? June 25th to September 7th in the year of 2007. 2007, big year. Call of Duty Modern Warfare was about to come out. The Orange Box, Mass Effect 1. One of the greatest years for video games of all time. Only up against, I think, 1998 or 99 is the other like big year. People are like, the greatest years in gaming. In 2007, I was in grade 7. It's always easy for me to remember because I'm always in the same grade as it is the year. Uh, so yeah, I was just beginning junior high. So I have, I have at this point long stopped watching Arthur. So you would have been like 12, 12 years old? Mm, Probably 13. Okay. Yeah. And in right before, right near the end of the season is when I would have turned 17. So 2007, I would be going into grade 12 so i would be ending high school definitely not watching Arthur, not watching the new episodes of arthur either uh long since outgrown it now i'm onto more adult shows like Oh. <laughs> so uh yeah i've always been this cool uh not not that many notes for this season ahead but there are a couple of things that i want you to keep in mind uh we do have a recasting so jason jason swimmer who has been dw's voice for several seasons is uh, not doing that role anymore. Instead, we have Robert Naylor, who has been the voice of James from seasons 7 to 10. Which is really interesting, because that was the first thing I initially noticed about this episode, is the new DW voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 funny, because DW sounds a lot younger, to the point where I was thinking that, I was like, I wonder if they had gotten an actual kid. Um, yeah. Because it sounds so much like a, a younger person. How did you feel about the new DW voice, Will? It's going to take some getting used to, I'll be honest. Mm, I, I, mm. I, like, I, I liked Robert Naylor as James. I thought he had a very like quiet and meek quality that I really, I really liked. Um, it's worth noting that he, Robert Naylor would have been um, between the ages of like 7 and 10 doing James. Now he's 11 voicing DW. Uh, that also might not be like, he might've recorded these earlier. So he might've been even younger. Um, yeah, it, DW did sound really young and I kind of feel like sometimes when you get different voice actors, I mean, I mean, I have to be honest, you know, you know me, I'm so attached to, you know, the original voice actors and stuff like that. It can be hard to retain the same comedic edge that I'm used to DW having. So I felt like she wasn't the character wasn't as funny in this episode, but it's only one episode and I'm interested to see how Robert Naylor grows into her. And so I, I, I'm looking forward to more DW focused episodes so I can get a fuller. Yeah. I feel like to really get a sense of how good someone is at being DW, we got to see her with the Tibbles and Emily and like, and in those really DW heavy episodes where uh, you could really make the character shine. Um, That being said on this first episode, and obviously I'm always going to be biased to the older voice that we're used to. So it's always kind of hard for someone new coming in. That being said though, I feel like this is the biggest 
uh, kind of whiplash a new voice has given me. I, I was really, it's just that old DW voice is so iconic, um, even more so than some of the other voices. Like, even when they replace Arthur's voice, because Arthur's voice is just kind of, I'm, and I don't mean this as an insult, I, I think this is on purpose, Arthur's voice is a little bit generic, little kid voice. There's not a lot sure. of character to it inherently. You know, Arthur's kind of the... Uh, uh, sort of the placeholder for the audience, right? So so yep. you make it easy for you to put yourself in his shoes. DW has a very, just, there's all these memorable DW lines. Um, there's all these memes coming back lately. Like, you're seeing clips on TikTok of just, like, savage DW moments um, oh, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So that voice is so fresh in my head, and it's, like, so iconic that I, I couldn't help but be like, ooh, don't know how I feel about this new DW voice. But, again, it is early, like you said. The only other thing to note is that this is the final season where Arthur will be animated by the company called Acom Production, A-K-O-M. It's a South Korean animation studio, and they animated seasons 1 to 11 of Arthur. So this is the final season where we get kind of that classic style. When we move into season 12, it's going to look a little different. Now, season 12, just, just in case you were wondering, that is not when they start doing Flash animation. We're, <sighs> still, a little, we're still a little bit ways away from that. At least as far as I know, they're moving. To, it'll just be a move to a different animation studio next season. But so, you know, don't get attached to how Arthur looks, because by next season, it may, you know, who knows they might freshen up some of the characters. They might, you know, you'd be using different colors or, you know, backgrounds or what have you. So get a good look, because this is the final season with Acom at the head of animation. All right. And with that, let's finally get to it. Uh, half an hour into the podcast, and like I well, said, Jam. Luckily, I don't think we're gonna have that many notes about swept away. <laughs> I tend to agree, but let's but let's get into it. So, swept away. That is what we're premiering season eleven with. It's a Arthur's beach episode. Talking... It's an it's an anime beach episode. We're going to the beach. We're the first episode. Has has there been an anime that has its first episode as the beach episode? Uh, I yes, but they're only they're usually animes where the whole series is a beach episode. Is, is yeah. the beach? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. There's like that show about the girls surviving last last season. There was a girl about like a show about like girls stranded on a desert island. Um, but yeah, usually you got to establish the whole point of a beach episode is you establish the characters. Uh, and then you grow to like them, and then they give you a beach episode, usually, like, right halfway through the season, right when things are about to get really serious, uh, so you could have, like, some fun time, a quick reprise with your friends. Uh, but no, we're, we're starting this off with a beach episode, they're headed to the beach, Grandma Thora and all, that's where the squad's going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they are going to the beach, but we're first talking about time, how sometimes people can have, uh, different... (laughs) interpretations of time so for example time goes very uh slowly for dw this is where we kind of hear dw's voice for the first time she's just like you know what time is it like constantly pestering arthur what time it is whereas somebody like buster is his stomach rules time so he just goes by complete appetite clock we see him in the sugar bowl he's uh feasting on harry mills meatball experience yes which is an excellent name for a sandwich he's planning to have second breakfast like he's a hobbit yes and he's full full on eating a entire bowl of pickles which is a huge flex yeah i I hope he has some like beverages or something to balance out all that sodium that's a eating a full bowl of pickles is a great way to speed run getting a kidney stone (laughs) 
God. Um, yeah, and so Arthur is also battling with a giant clock in this cold open. And because he's talking about sometimes it can feel like time's going too fast when you go to a theme park with your friends. Or it can go too slow, like when you're taking a test. So different interpretations of time is what we're to keep in mind in this episode. Uh, by the way, on the title card, they used the brain audio for an Arthur title card. Sure, sure hope somebody was fired for that. <laughs> um, so it is a beach episode. In fact, right away, Sharky cameo. That's right, Sharky's back. Large I, I, and in charge, I, although a little bit less. He's somewhat, he's somewhat less cartoonishly large than in the first season. Actually, he's not, like not only Sharky. Big enough for a bathtub. Not only Sharky, Buster's uh, uh, shower cap. That's that everybody oh, right. is scared of looking like an octopus or whatever. That is also still in. I love that they, you know, I'm sure they have like a, a lore Bible or something. Like it can't just be the same people from seasons one through three working on these late episodes like 10 years later. So they must just have a really cohesive lore Bible or something that they keep referencing. Um, but this is always great when you see things like Sharky and, and uh, Buster's Hat. Always good for the heads, even, you know, 11 seasons in. So Arthur, Buster, and DW are the main characters of this episode. They are waiting for the water to the the beach to be open because the lifeguard is currently noticing that the waves are too choppy for anybody to swim. So they're waiting. By the way, great beach outfit on uh, on Grandma Thora. Loved her like it's yellow with daisies on it. She's got the hat. She's got the the beach dress. It looks very nice, very comfy. Um, so to pass the time while they're, you know, desperately waiting to swim, they decide to build a sandcastle, which they decide to make super cool. They're, they kind of have a little bit of back and forth with DW about exactly how to fulfill the creative vision, but in the end, they make a pretty cool sandcastle. I always wanted to make cool sandcastles, but I just do not have the talent for building like that. No, when I was a kid, I don't think you realize, I realized that I had to use wet sand. So yes, the, the whole thing kind of escaped me. Um, it's been a while since I've tried to like sit down and make a sandcastle as an adult. I bet I could do a much better job. Uh, I'm, you know, a lot more familiar with kind of structural engineer, you know, civil engineering. Um, uh, I, I bet I could, I could design something a tad more sturdy. Uh, but when I was a kid, the, I, much like yourself, the, the skill of building a sandcastle eluded me. Get you an architect friend who knows exactly what they're doing and mm, can make a plan. Mm, mm. DW is kind of making a diagram in the sand of how she wants the uh, the uh, the sandcastle to look. Uh, and yeah, I, I did have a quick note here. I, as as you yourself mentioned, DW is sounding a lot younger. Like she almost sounds like she's like three, or or like or like an actual four year old. DW is not supposed to sound like an actual four year old. <laughs> she's like she's got the vocabulary of Arthur, but she's half his age, which is part of why she's so funny. So um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see about this one, but not writing it off just yet. So, you know, it's basically them pitching in to make this cool sandcastle, which has like a moat and like towers. It, it looks it's quite the it's quite the production, but they just can't agree on a name. Uh, at one point, Arthur suggests that they call it or Buster suggests they call it the Starfish Enterprise. Yeah, I was. Would you were you excited about that? Are you still watching T? Weren't you doing a TNG rewatch or something? Oh, yeah, I finished that years ago. Oh, okay. Well, now it's time to start DS9, brother. Um, I did try. I think it just was not the right time mm, when I was mm, doing it at, mm. at that point. I think I think I started it too early after TNG, and then I kind of ran into a wall because um, 
Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm to understand that, T, that DS9 is a little slow in the beginning. Yeah, people just skip to the big war or whatever. The, the Dominion War. Yeah, the Dominion War, and people say that's like the best stuff. But I, I want to put the work in. So DS9's on the back burner, but I hope to get back to it one day. Uh, and they eventually settle on Castle Starfish, which they put the starfish on the... The, the 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 tall the tallest spire. They pretty much they you know they have fun making it. They think nothing of it. But in the middle of the night, DW comes to Arthur and asks him, "Well, what's going to happen if we go there tomorrow and the tide, you know, the way the waves destroy the castle?" And Arthur at first is like, "Well, that's just kind of the way it is. You know that that that'll just happen. the The tide will the tide will uh, interfere with the sand castle, and that's what happens to all sand castles." DW also asks, you know, she she says that I think she says like she's sleeping with Grandma Thora who snores. So Arthur gives her one of his earplugs, like, yeah, swapping earplugs, gross. Yeah, keep that kind of behavior in mind for the next episode we're about to watch. Oh my god! So Arthur ends up having a dream about being one of the co kings of Castle Starfish. And this is a at least probably the most creative part of the episode where you have all of these anthropomorphized undersea creatures that are in Arthur's uh domain. I should say, sorry, I think I'm skipping ahead a little. Again, didn't have a lot of notes for this part. Um they are they create a moat around the sand castle in order so that the waves won't destroy it. And uh DW and Buster both offer like offerings to the sea. Like, Buster pours out a can of soda, W offers it a cookie, and Arthur's just like, that's just littering, what you're doing. Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh, just making their sacrifices to Poseidon, you know what I mean? They're getting into the, the old school kind of mentality of, of, of staving off these waves. So, yeah, we do get eventually get the dream where Arthur is the king of, uh, is uh, the co-king of uh, Castle Starfish, Buster being the other king. And uh, it's, you know, kind of these, it's weird. It's like a bunch of like slugs and like anemones and stuff like that. And some of them have like animal faces on them. And others are just like just a normal crab with a hat. You know, looks a little a little strange. Uh, Arthur's get up also very, it, it, it kind of has that charm of like a kid who assembles a costume from a tickle trunk kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, like a very like high school play production of like the Odyssey or what have you. Um, it's casual Friday, Will. Snails can go to work without wearing their shells. Mm-hmm. That's the decree from King Buster. But then they get word that the castle may be under attack, and they enlist the Seahorse Whisperer, which is DW, to kind of get a report about uh, what's going, what could be besieging the castle. So in Arthur's dream, it's almost... Uh, run over by a wave, but they managed to get the defenses up in time, which is like a wooden board. Uh, but in but in real, unfortunately, they're not so lucky. Um, their 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 castle does get swept away, right? Well, so well, this is the point of the episode. I was like, so this is as yeah, it absolutely does get swept away. Uh, but this is about as checked out of an Arthur episode I've ever gotten. I just I simply could not be brought to care about their sandcastle. It's good against... This... I was Team Arthur. Arthur was very zen. He was very, you know, Tao, the, the Buddha. 
this is the Tibetan monks. They make these like crazy sand sculptures, and then they just blow them away. Will because nothing is forever. You know, it's it's not enlightened to try and hold on to to whether they be feelings or moments or trying to make things last longer than it's their natural time to last. You got to be able to let go because that's kind of the nature of all things. Anyway, that's but Arthur's got the right mentality, but then they get this mode idea. And then they start trying to play God, stop the ocean. And at that point, I just started, I started not paying attention. I could, it's, it's, it's a uniquely, not to get too close into Final Judgments this early in the ep, but it's a, it's a uniquely boring Arthur episode. There's just not a whole lot interesting going on. And of course, in classic Arthur fashion, it's, I should say, the whole castle isn't swept away, but a large part of it is. So this is where Arthur starts to become worried, and he realizes that they need to put up more defenses. Um, but in the end, like it's their last day on vacation, where like on the at the beach wherever they are, because they've been kind of staying together. So they try and make more defenses. It just kind of isn't working, and eventually, even Arthur has to give up the ghost of like it doesn't matter what we do, we have to leave now. And by the time we come back the sandcastle won't be there. There's it's, there's actually a very defeatist and a little bit of a sad line where um, I, I forget if it's mom or grandma Thora, or it might've even been Buster who are just like, don't worry, Arthur, you'll build one next year and it'll be even better. And Arthur goes, no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> it was so like very little kid of like, no, it's not like very real. I will, one of those moments where you realize that. I will say I like Arthur and Buster's fits here. They're very, they're very norm core. They look like American apparel outerwear models or something. <laughs> like they look like they just got their like Frank and Oak delivery. It's, it's, it's good looks from both of them. Um, but yeah. And then that's where the episode ends. Will. Basically, they do. We do have a bit of a postscript where the three of them come back to the beach, and we're told that it's like the week before, um, before school goes back in. And I was wondering. So, in this kind of final scene, they're all in like rain jackets, and it's clearly like chillier. So, what beach in late August is this cold? I know that we've kind of softly determined that. You know, this version of Elwood City is somewhere in like the Philadelphia, Boston area, but like, I I can't imagine it gets like chilly around that time I, there, does it? I mean, where we live, because we're on a peninsula, we have kind of uh, unseasonably warm uh, fall weather. Like no, that's true. It's, you gotta. I mean, it's not Boston or Philadelphia, but uh, like Central Canada was getting snowstorms by early, early October. Um, and so they're probably already quite a bit cold by late August, early September, whereas that's kind of our hottest month here in Nova Scotia is September, just because of being surrounded by the the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. Um, but good point, good catch. I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's the evening, Will. That could be. That, that could very much be. Also, they get this picture in the paper of them with the sandcastle, and it reminds me, I, I think I've brought this up on the show before, but it's like they're just posed with the sandcastle, and I just couldn't help but think about, like, the, again, second mention of this on the pod uh, this week, Modern Warfare, where it's like, once you beat the game, it's like heartbreakers and life takers, and it's like the picture of, like, Captain Price and like all the dudes in front of the helicopter. Um, um, I'm not I'm not as familiar with Call of Duty, so I'll have to take your word for that. I'm gonna look I'm gonna look that up though once we're done here. That is basically the end of the episode. At the end of it, DW makes like a necklace out of the starfish so that they they always have the memories or whatever. Anyway, you're right. We didn't have a lot to say about that. 
And I think if you've watched it, <laughs> I've seen the, I've seen the photo now. I think I understand what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we didn't have a lot to say about that, but I think that may change uh, once we get into the second half of this Arthur episode. Right after this. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood dash city dash limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits where you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. Germophobia is the name, and we're talking about friends who are a little sloppy. And I think we've all either had that friend or been that friend, Lucas. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. This was... was if there's ever been an Arthur episode uh, as directed by David Cronenberg, uh, it's this one. This one is f- for the gross people out there. If you're grody, there's there's an Arthur episode for you. You're nasty. You're nasty ass. This is the one. Uh, germophobia. I mean, it's all a go figure. It's a Buster episode, who we've seen in the past be pretty gross. It's true. B- so Buster it- has a case of rotting food. It, this has been established. Buster per- has a permanent fixture of a case of rotting food in his room, which I they act like is smell-proof, like it's in an airtight container. But come on. So I wouldn't, I, put mean, this kind of, I wouldn't put this kind of behavior past him in the slightest. It's just, yeah, it's just really, Buster's a gross little boy in many many ways, and uh, the most likely to roll around in the dirt and whatnot. So the opening is Buster's pizza slice falling on the floor, and then uh, his friends being like, hey, like, don't eat that. And he's like, don't worry, five second rule, which I have to admit, even today, I eat a lot of food off the floor that I probably shouldn't. So I'm not going to throw stones about this particular behavior. Um, so, and if, yeah, so Buster initially says five second rule, then changes it to 10 second rule. He does something in the bathroom that made me say, what a waste of, no, I'm sorry. Um, talking about how, um, when his mom asks him to take a bath and we see him in the, we see him in the bathroom reading a comic book and she's like, how are you doing in there? Just like almost done. And then he takes the plug out of a full bathtub. What a waste of water. Oh my God. <laughs> I know he needs to watch that episode with uh, Francine trying to do water conservation. Yeah, really? Like that was, that was recently that we did that. So, I mean, come on now. We gotta, 
we got to get a lid on this. Uh, another <laughs> another great one in this cold open is also when our, they're playing hide-and-seek, Buster just hides in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> That's Yeah, and they bring that up later on, too, about when they, they finally uh, eventually try to have an intervention for Buster's disgusting behavior. Uh, it's one of the things they highlight is that he's got to stop hiding in trash cans. <laughs> in the trash i mean that's not only gross it's dangerous well there could be like hypodermic needles or something in there absolutely i mean it's not worth it for just a game of hide and seek so everybody kind of knows and buster like again the the times we live in buster like sneezing openly in front of everybody it's just like that's not so much funny anymore so everybody knows buster is disgusting and that informs uh, the main thrust of this episode. So Buster's holding his Buster's Wacky Water Palooza, which is an annual pool party that he has. But then Sue Ellen slips Arthur a note of, we need to talk to you. <laughs> D- come to the Sugar Bowl after school. Do not bring Buster. So uh, <laughs> Arthur's kind of the liaison, the Buster liaison. So they all meet up, and they're just talking about how gross Buster's being and how unhygienic. And they don't particularly feel good about going to a pool party if he's going to be conducting himself like this. Uh, genuine laugh here is when they see Buster outside the sugar bowl. And he, he like we hear, we hear him like reach into a trash can and be like, wow, a harmonica. <laughs> and one of the greatest Muffy reads, I'm not going to be able to replicate it, but she just says, did Buster just take a harmonica out of the garbage? <laughs> it's it's The way she accentuated it was so good. What, what's so good about this episode is, like, if you had never been introduced to the character of Buster before, like, Buster's been a little bit out there before, like, he's got his weird food case, but they really turn it up to 11 and just make him, like, disgusting. Like, he is just so foul. He's such a freak in this episode like <laughs> blowing blowing a harmonica that was in like the garbage it's also something that like that's not something that i think of being like as a go-to gross image but when you really like when i thought about it, i was like yeah ew what oh yeah like, there's there's a like lot a of harmonica they, specifically they use that harmonica to uh like a great level of like just grossing you out never before have i considered the like disgusting implications of being a harmonica guy yeah, so they they essentially give Arthur the ultimatum that, like, he's got to say something to Buster. Again, just got to the harmonica in the garbage <laughs> lines. Oh, my God, it killed me. Um, So he has to talk to Buster about, you know, his being disgusting or else they're not going to go to the thing. And again, Buster, like, Arthur tries to talk to him in the cafeteria. He's, like, j- just drinking soup out of the ladle that's in the pot he accidentally puts his harmonica into pudding and then just takes it out and uses it. And what I what I also really liked here, Francine just like starts screaming. Like she's so frustrated. <laughs> she just starts wordlessly screaming. Yeah. Which I thought was really good. I'm kind of surprised that she doesn't do that more. Like that's like her rage just hit a point where it words could not be formed anymore. Well, so it's getting to the point where just just Buster's bad personal hygiene is starting to affect, like, his friends, right? So it, yes. it's it's not only, like, they're not only just worried about him, they're worried about themselves because he's putting his dirty harmonica, like, in the soup. So this is where Arthur pipes up and he decides to intervene um, and basically explain germ theory to Buster. 
Uh, Buster's never heard germ theory before. He's like someone from the 1800s or whenever germ theory was invented. Uh, but we get this really great moment where I, I, I thought this was so funny. Arthur's asking Buster, like, have you ever been sick? And then Buster, like, has, like, a little, like, uh, thought bubble of his mom being like, Buster, you have a temperature, you can't go to school. And then Buster, like, has this, like, nostalgic sigh of, like, yeah. Like, he, like, (laughs) loves being sick at home. It is one. It it is again. It's like if you're a dirty little kid, which to an and to an extent we were all pretty like filthy little children. Oh at yes, one point. children are are disgusting urchins. Will disease factories, but you know there is that kind of thing of like depending on how sick you get, you know when you are sick as a kid, if you're not all that sick but you're still like sick. It can be pretty cool. Oh yeah, just like oh yeah, I got to stay home all day and drink ginger ale. Now if I'm thirty, if I get sick. Man, that sucks. I'm not having a fun time. One time I was sick and I got like five different endings in Shadow the Hedgehog. And that game has like a hundred endings. Nice. Did you get that damn Chaos Emerald? I don't remember. I don't remember. This was years ago. But I remember I was you like. Mu- you, mu- I- you must have if you'd gotten all five endings or whatever. I was like sick with the flu. And so Oof. like I'm like doing the sweats. Like I am like sick, sick, sick. <laughs> but I was like pushing through it because I was enjoying Shadow the Hedgehog so much. Which is a like, very, by the way, Shadow the Hedgehog. Terrible video game. <laughs> I have I have a very strong memory of being sick, like with flu throughout the day, and then I remember Pokemon the Johto Journeys came on at six o'clock, and during the theme music, I threw up into a garbage can and immediately felt better. <laughs> I feel it's th- one of my big throwing up memories. This is this is the second time you've mentioned yakking on the on the pod this week. <laughs> this is a rough me, pod. Me for, specifically. This is rough pod for people with uh, who are you know. Easily grossed out. This is a nasty one. I'll put something in the description so you know that there's going to be descriptions of <laughs> of Will Will's spewing his cookies. Um, they try to educate Buster about germs. <laughs> they try and tell him that you know they show him like a microscope of germs. I forget exactly what he calls them. Does he call them like green haystacks or something? Oh, I don't remember. Um, there's some kind of name he gives them because they're very like long and cylindrical. So he's like, ah, they look like this. And it's like, that's not what you're supposed to be taking away from this. We're trying to tell you that you're gross. So Buster, again, he's not thinking anything of it, but he has a dream where he's having his pool party, by the way. So the beginning of this dream, he does a big like cartwheel roll into the, into the pool. It's a, it's a friggin' sweet Sasuke special that he does yeah. into the pool. And then, so then he finds the harmonica at the bottom of the pool. This is like so gross, man. Like mm-hmm. everybody's like sitting in this pool, just like all the dirt that's on these kids is in this pool. Um, if it's not chlorine treated, which who knows it's an above ground pool. So, and, and then Buster like puts his nasty lips on it. And he's blowing the <laughs> nasty spit water out. Um, and, but he finally learns, well, the correct lesson in a way that he could see the germs for the first time. So the germs start to leak out of the harmonica and then the germs are leaking out of his mouth. And then his friends are like running away from the germs. Like it's like some sort of mustard gas or something. And then he wakes up like- and he becomes a Howie Mandel style germaphobe. It's like when, um, it's like when, Bus in the episode where Buster had asthma, and so Francine imagined his like breath as being green. Yes, because she thought she could catch it. So it's kind of like that. So Buster has become a germaphobe because of this, and he's immediately like just 
I, I did wonder, there was something in me that wondered if there was any kid that watched this that became germaphobic as a result. Because the way that they portray that, and this is done, I think, even before in Arthur and other shows as well, where, like, we see things from Buster's perspective. There's, like, you know, everybody has, like, a green aroma coming out of their mouth. There's, like, the creeping strings that, like, seem to get under your skin. Sometimes he'll picture the germs and they have this little, like, <laughs> like this little laughter. Yeah. And, like, I wonder if this, like scarred any child sometimes they makes the, the the germs look like they have like dreadlocks which is like a yeah, little bit they have a, little, this, a little bit weird they like, have this like yeah they have this like stringy hair it's kind of it's a little strange yeah um and um <laughs> when when buster goes back to school we uh, get another great line from arthur hey buster i got this really cool book on botulism to show you <laughs> this was like the line of the episode like again just we're just trying to pack as much nasty crap in this episode as possible. <laughs> Next, we're going to bring up, we got the book on botulism. Um, Which, the, like, yeah. the writers must have simply been like, what is the most disgusting subject for Arthur to be reading a book on right now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Buster's seeing this everywhere. He brought hockey gloves to school because he can't stand to touch anything. But he's just, like, constantly getting... I, I really hate to use the word triggered in this way, but in, I mean, the, in, appropriately, this is what it is. It's like, it is triggering a germophobia in him. He even goes to the bathroom to like wash out his mouth by drinking the water, which like Buster, sorry, pal, I got some bad news for you about that water. They're doing, they're doing fractions in Mr. Ratburn's class that day. And I hadn't heard the word numerator in a long time. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second about what that meant. So Buster is, petrified especially by the food like he double saran wraps the sandwich that he brought in himself he can't bring him or sorry more than double saran wraps it's like a it's like a huge it's like a dumpling of saran wrap over his sandwich and he can't bring himself to eat any of the cafeteria food that he normally loves uh so we've gone completely the other way on this uh we eventually do get to buster's wacky water palooza and he is so far gone that when everybody comes over, he's not only got the hockey gloves on, but he has a gas mask as well. Right. So uh, attention, uh, if you're, this is your first time listening to Elwood City Limits, uh, no it is, of course, a podcast uh, starring two straight white guys. And once Buster <laughs> had this gas mask on, it was like, you know what it's time for? It's the Bane Impression Corner, baby. That's right. You can't get two straight white guys doing a podcast without our yearly allotted Bane Impressions. So, Will, get them out of your system. Let me hear it. Give me what you got. It's Bane Impression right. time. <clears throat> Uh, you merely adopted the germs. I was born in it, molded by it, <laughs> Mold- till I was but a man. <laughs> molded in more ways than one, am I right? Oh, a little bit of germ uh, here uh, for you. Oh, mol- molded with a U. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let, but let, yes, let me let me try. Let me try. Let me try. Ahem, All right. Ahem, go on. Go ahem. on. Oh, jeez! They expect one of us in the wreckage, brother. <laughs> the darkness rises. Ha uh-huh. ha. Dr. Pavel took <laughs> took your offer in favor of ours. Now we need to figure out what he told yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. That's... Oh, that's right. You can kind of do the Donald no, voice. I, that. that is very, very kind of you to say, Will, but I would hardly call that me kind of doing the Donald voice. <laughs> okay. That's just me making noises. Anyway, uh, now that the Bane impressions are out of the way... Um, yeah, Buster's freaking out. He's he's doming out at this this uh this pool party. 
And I thought Doming Out had a positive, like, I thought this much, was, like, much, uh, much, different. Much like Freaking Out Will, it could be both positive or negative, depending on the context. Sometimes uh. you're doming out because you're, like, having a great time, and then sometimes you're doming because something bad's going on. I see. I was going to say I should use that more, but then it's just like, well, I don't want to kill this word. Because <laughs> no. if I start doing that, I will. Um, Buster is urging everybody that if they are if they have to go swim, take a shower first. Which I must say, you do sometimes go to like pools or beaches or something that have the showers that you can use. I was never a shower before swimming uh, person. No, always after, though. But have it. But having done it since in my adult life, I kind of like doing it. It's, you know what it is? It just helps you get ready for the shock of the cold water. Oh. So, that you, so like, I, like, I'm a big baby about it. I spend five minutes going like, oh, eh, it's cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I get a shower, it really does help to kind of get my body ready for the water temperature. See, I, I, so. I always use the shower for after I swim to get all the nasty. Oh, yeah. Again, tot- get all the na- either get the chlorine off me if it's in a public pool or to get all that nasty, nasty Salt stuff water. off uh, if it's if it's a beach or something or a lake. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Arthur is still having trouble kind of putting his foot down about Buster's behavior, especially now that he's gone the opposite way. So Francine, Muffy and Sue Ellen decide to confront him. And we do get a thing here where, like, Buster is frantically, like, backing away from them as they're trying to intervene. And this is the most erratic and frantic I've ever heard Buster's voice get. Because he's really just like, no, no, get away. You've got germs on it. It's just like, it's so manic and strange to hear Buster act like this. And it, it was it was effective in that way. So Buster runs away. He backs into the pool by accident. And then he falls down in the dirt with his face covered in it. And, and like a really card, they use like a pretty cartoony sound effect for when he falls. But that's kind of, that's kind of what helps to break him of it. He's just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I think, I think I'm all right. And the next day at school, everybody apologizes to Buster for kind of getting on his case about, you know, being dirty and everything to which, to to which I was like, you know, you guys weren't wrong. It's true. It's true. I mean, listen. Sure, Buster might have developed OCD, uh, and and ha- it's now starting to affect his life and how kind of obsessively clean he was being. But it's certainly like he's not going to die at twenty eight like he was before uh, with his previous <laughs> habits, right? Like, uh, so sure, it's it's true. You do the moral of the story is you do need balance in life, and that you shouldn't be freaking out around germs as long as you're taking the proper precautions. Uh, yeah. But I also think that clean. You know, manic clean Buster was still better off than relaxed, disgusting Buster. Than 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 pig pen. Yeah, Buster. exactly. So they 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 extend him a peace offering, which is a brand new harmonica, not out of the garbage. Uh, but Buster Buster manages to find a happy medium, which I think which I think is good. He takes it out of the box. He's about to play it, and then kind of gives it a wipe down, and is like, "Yeah, can't be too careful." So we've managed to marry both sides of Buster, and hopefully he'll be a lot more careful and more conscientious about germs from here on out. All right, what is what is there to say about Swept Away? Boring! Well, this might be the yep. most boring Arthur episode ever. A struggle to finish this one. I was bored out of my mind. And I don't know what was happening. I like beach episodes in anime. I've liked beach episodes before in... Um, Arthur, 
It's just like, who could care? They're going to lose their sandcast. Like, I don't know. Like, and that seems weird to be kind of lobbying that criticism against a children's show because there's uh, children's shows with far lower stakes than this. But I don't know. I think Arthur sets a higher precedent or, or what have you. Usually there would be like there would be like a B plot. There'd be, like, some other thing to care about or, or some other element. But, like, nothing happens in this Arthur episode. Well, it's so boring. You're right. And the thing is, is that we have had a lot of episodes, especially, I feel, recently, where it's been like, oh, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of notes for this one. And I think it's not because it's boring. It's just because there's not a lot to say or... It, it happened, I think, with a lot of the DW episodes where it's like, oh, this is kind of written for like way, way, way below us, like for real little kids. So there's not a whole lot that we can really comment on because it's very surface level. This is just like, man, I don't like like you said, like, man, I don't care. And I'm kind of bored. Like, can we just wrap this up? It really not a strong way to start off season 11 it just felt like it felt like a trifle even like their imagination sequence where like arthur is like a king of the sea creatures this should be an opportunity to be to be super creative and like out there i mean it's kind of cool that buster looks like friggin' slow king or whatever the pokemon <laughs> with his big shell head but besides that mm. i don't know it's just like so boring yeah it really is there's all there's practically nothing really to be said about it it's not even that it's like especially bad it's just like there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. It's like air. Like we're over it. I can't imagine ever watching this again. Um, and this is I, I, I can't. I mean, we've we've watched literally hundreds of of Arthur stories at this point. So I don't know if I could think of one offhand that I was more bored by. But I suppose that's the point. When we get to the end of the season, I'm not going to remember this one at all, and for really good reason. Which is too bad because I feel practically the opposite way about germophobia i thought that this was a very fun episode and you know surprisingly relevant to again what we're going through right now we're all kind of in our own way become at least a percentage more germophobic because of covid19 and everything that's going on in the world we're all wearing masks we're all learning to mind our personal sanitation a lot closer so it was it was almost a blast from the past to like see a character be so slovenly as Buster. And it totally made sense for him to be that character. And then the whole situation was funny. Like it is funny to see a complete reversal in a character like that. There were some funny lines. There were some interesting visuals with the way that Buster kind of saw the germs and everything. I thought the Daniel Brochu's performance as Buster was very good, uh, taking the character to like different places uh sonically that we've never heard him before and i think it ended up in a way that makes sense it's like buster's still the same person but he you know he kind of tweaked the sliders a little bit he's still you know not i'm sure in future episodes he's not going to be particularly clean but he's also not like a complete pig now so uh you know (laughs) i'll wait let's see maybe the next episode he will be but i liked this i liked this quite a bit and uh so it's too bad we couldn't start with this one but then again, we would have been ending off with, um, with the fir- with the first story. So germophobia, I'd say, gets a thumbs up from me. Yeah, not since uh, Arthur cut his knee on a rusty lima bean can have I been so viscerally disgusted and and just kind of <laughs> constantly. Usually, like when Arthur gets gross, they'll have one moment in an episode where you kind of recoil in your seat a little bit. But this was just after another, just like. 
Buster and it, it was like 120 days of Sodom or something. Just like Buster engaged <laughs> oh in God. just like just foul, foul stuff. Just this garbage man. Uh, so it was a blast, of course. It was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> it was so fun, like to see what kind of depths Buster would sink to next. Uh, it was fun to see his friends have the exact same reaction I was having to the point where they had to have an intervention. Um, Buster, like reminiscing about being too sick to go to school, is hilarious. Arthur with yeah. his book on botulism is hilarious. Um, you know, and then we get kind of the best of both worlds where we get to see all the comedy that ensues from Buster being so far in the other direction as well. Uh, and I think it wraps up pretty well. I, I thought this was an all-around great episode. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I'm hoping that the rest of the season won't be as much of a mixed bag as this one was, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. It's always exciting to get to a new season of Arthur because it feels like each one has its own um, little direction that it goes through, its own little kind of arc in terms of episode quality. So who knows? I'm always eager to see if this is the next season that will be maybe as good as the first one or some of the other great ones that we've uh, that we've lauded over the years. And if you want to hear our thoughts on the previous seasons, we have a bunch of episodes giving our top five episodes of each season. So you can go back through, Ar- through Arthur seasons one to ten and find the episodes we like the best. And, of course, we also encourage you to follow along with us, and we'll be with you through the ups and the downs, as with this episode. So that's going to do it for Elwood City Limits. Thank you very much for listening. We're so happy to be here for Season 11, and we're also happy to be serving our patrons, because next week we've got a big release coming up. This is going to be another landmark episode for the kids as our PBS Kids podcast returns. It's Lucas's pick, which means Dragon Tales is going to be served up. Muchos gracias. Senor Quetzal. Quetzal, you know, <laughs> that uh, Ord, uh, he's the biggest, not so brave of heart. And, uh, well, you'll have to tune in to see if I remember the whole theme song. Um, so that's going to be happening next week also coming up on the free feed next week a little bit of a present for everybody who's been patiently waiting for us we are going to be posting our interview with former Arthur voice actor Dallas Joe Kick I'm very excited for you to hear and very excited for to uh uh, for you guys to have some feedback about that. So if you have anything to say about the show, about us, about Arthur, about any of the content we're putting out, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us over social. And if you're a patron, you can uh, hop in the Discord and let us know what's what or on Patreon as well. Then in two weeks, we will be back for another episode of ECL. We're going to be talking about the episodes Arthur Sells Out and Mind Your Manners. Always knew that Arthur was a sellout. <laughs> he's got that. He's got that stink all over him. <laughs> we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see what what kind of cause he's willing to betray. Uh, otherwise, great to have you back once again. And hey, man, I'm happy that we could all reconvene in let's just say more positive political circumstances. Mm. Uh, and not in such a dour mood. So there is a little bit of hope in the air as we get ready for Arthur Season 11. We're glad to have you with us on the ride. Uh, So that's going to do it for Elwood City Limits this episode for this week. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, green mouse gases in the atmosphere. We'll see you next time.